Going Postal Publishing, The Going Postal Cast, and Christopher Chapman present Incarceration, the serialized weekly podcast performed by the author, Christopher Chapman. For more information, visit www.goingpostalpublishing.com or email him at goingpostalpublishing at gmail.com. This podcast is not suitable for children. It has violence, gore, and lots and lots of naughty words. If you can't handle that, go somewhere else. And now, on with the story, or whatever other crap I decide to come up with. Welcome, everybody, to episode 17 of Incarceration, part of the Going Postal cast. I am your host, Christopher Chapman. If you hear a noise in the background, that's just my furnace. It is cold out. It is very, very cold out. And today was kind of like being in a snow globe. Just It was like somebody took a snow globe and just shook it up because everywhere you looked, it was just white. Just snow coming down from everywhere. There were parts of my day where I was out on my route, and I could not see where the road was because everything was just so white, and I had to pretty much just guess where I was driving. And I swear there's nothing more fun than snow just blasting you in the face and just getting stuck in your beard. It's one of those times where you're both glad you have a beard and think, oh god, I gotta get rid of this thing because the snow is just stuck to the beard. So I hope everyone's doing good. I've had a pretty good week. Still no laptop, but you know what? I'm surviving without it. I'm using this nice old iMac and getting by, getting a bunch of stuff done including a totally new, yet not new, podcast. I'm hoping by the time that you hear this, that the new podcast feed is up on iTunes. I thought that seeing as that you could not just use the chapters anymore to skip through if you did not want to listen to the sound of my voice, I was going to say sultry again, but I didn't that time. So for those of you who do not want to listen to me just ramble on for a few minutes every week and do the second half, pimping out my my different things. Well, there's a different way of going about it that's completely free of all babble of, of mine, and there's no promos in it or anything, and it's just straightforward incarceration, and you can find it under the feed incarceration, hopefully on iTunes by the time you hear it, by the time you hear this. The sound quality has been fixed, and I will be posting more than one episode every week until I'm completely caught up, and then I will be releasing the episodes right along with this episode, these episodes as we do them. I will be posting links in the description for this episode that you can find on iTunes. I will also be posting it on my Facebook and Twitter as soon as the link becomes available. I will also be trying to get the podcast, Just Incarceration, onto Patio Books at some point. I'm hoping to have that done in the next week. I have joined the Patio Books community, and I've actually joined that in the past when I originally was going to podcast this novel several years ago, but never got around to it. But now I'm going to hopefully be doing that in the next week. So if you like doing patiobooks.com, then you'll have the option of finding it there because they generate iTunes feeds for you. And as soon as the new episode becomes available, they generate a new one and you can subscribe just like you would uh, through normal iTunes. And while I'm at it, I might as well give a free plug for them 
Podiobooks.com is a great place for all kinds of authors who are, you know, like me, starting their own companies and just trying to get noticed. You can get all kinds of free audiobooks there in the same chapterized fashion. That's where I first learned about uh, podcasting novels, listening to stuff like Ancestor and Seventh Son and some other great uh, novels and novellas along the way. Check it out if you haven't already. And for those of you who know about it, well, keep on listening. Keep on supporting. It's a great way for new authors to get noticed. So let's get into the story. As I told you last week, we're going to be doing three straight episodes of one chapter each. Last week was the first one. This one's going to be the shortest of the three. This one actually comes in at under 20 minutes, but because of the way that the chapters fell, I felt as if it was okay for this week to just include the slightly shorter chapter, even though I'm trying to hit 20 minutes of new fiction every week. Sometimes I'm going to hit that goal, depending on what the uh, how the chapters lay out, because that's what I'm really trying to do, is trying to do them in full chapters. I'm not trying to cut off in the middle of a chapter and have you wondering what's going to happen in the middle of an, an actual chapter, you know, from one week to the next. When you're reading a book, a lot of the times you're looking, okay, where, how, where do I, how much do I have to read yet before I get to the next chapter? Well, that's how I'm trying to do it, so that way you can get to the end of the chapter, and then next week, boom, new chapter, you move on. So without further ado, here it is, chapter 32 of Incarceration. Chapter 32 Jason didn't sleep most of that day. He still intended on staying up that night but his mind was filled with random thoughts that kept him awake no matter how hard he tried to sleep. It didn't help that the entire prison was abuzz with news about the missing CO. The CO turned out to be Clarence Hongisto, a guard on the late shift. Jason had met him several times, but never really knew the man. From what Jason remembered, the man was a bastard. He liked things a certain way and was quick to punish you if you got out of line. Clarence was missing, and the entire prison knew about it. COs went from cell to cell, examining every square inch in hope that they would find some clue as to what happened to him. The search lasted all day, making a large ruckus. It was normally loud inside the prison during the day, but nothing like it was today. Some inmates joined in on the search, while others celebrated the fact that somebody whacked one of the men that was paid to watch them. For some, it was as if they were having a Christmas party. Jason wasn't overly concerned either way. He was well aware of what could have happened to Clarence. He was mildly relieved that Clarence hadn't already been found with his throat ripped out. That would have been very bad for Jason. Despite the fact that he really hadn't committed those murders, he was the most well-known killer in Lipsky Swamp. Everybody knew what he was accused of doing and how he supposedly had done it. If they would have found the body, the COs would have come looking for him first. After more than 15 years of avoiding the hole, they would have their make-believe way of tossing him in there and throwing away the key. Fortunately, they hadn't found the body. That also didn't mean that they wouldn't find the body. That was still a very large possibility. 
unless there was a very good hiding spot somewhere in this prison where somebody, or something, would easily be able to hide a body. He had to keep reminding himself of what Matt had told him about the vampires. Even though he still wasn't 100% convinced of their existence, he couldn't deny the fact of what he'd seen and how things were playing out. That didn't rule out that Matt did it himself as a way of saying that he was a better killer than Jason. The thought had occurred to Jason that Matt was supposed to be the copycat killer, copying the murders that Jason reportedly committed. Maybe this whole thing was a charade with Matt using the opportunity to rub it in Jason's face. Maybe he was the one that killed the CEO and claimed it was the work of vampires. The whole scenario seemed as unlikely as the existence of vampires, leaving him with more questions than answers. He didn't know what to think. Part of him, slightly over half, wanted to believe Matt Zern's story. If Matt were right, there would be a chance that his parents were still around in some capacity. They would be dead. Sort of. But he would get to see them again. That also meant that he would know who murdered his parents and finally have the chance to take out the last 16 years of solitude and frustration on him. There was a very good chance that he wouldn't make it out of that fight alive, but anything had to be better than doing nothing about it while sitting in a prison that just wants you to disappear. That's what made believing Matt's story more probable. If Matt had killed a CEO, he did it in one of the most heavily guarded prisons in the United States. From what Jason had been told, Lipsky Swamp had more guards per criminal than any other prison known or unknown to man. Jason saw how difficult it would have been for Matt, or anybody for that matter, to kill a guard in the prison. Sirens sounded. Jason lifted his head, trying to figure out what was happening. It was less than an hour before dark, and the last of the assigned yard times had already finished. What was happening? All of the cell doors opened simultaneously. Curious, Jason jumped down from his bunk and left the cell. Rick was right behind him. As they left the cell, Jason saw that hundreds of other inmates had done the same. Quick looks to the left and right show Jason the same questioning expressions that he wore on his own face. Nobody knew what was going on. Somebody spoke through a bullhorn. Everybody is to report to the yard where the warden wishes to speak with all of you the man on the bullhorn said. Rick and Jason exchanged a look, shrugged their shoulders, and did as they were told. They walked down the stairs and followed the procession of prisoners as they made their way towards the yard. As they walked, Jason couldn't help but notice that there was an above-average amount of guards on duty. Usually, only some of them carried semi-automatic weapons, with many carrying service pistols in their holsters. Tonight, all of them carried the semi-automatics. Out in the yard, the air was extremely cold. Goosebumps raised on Jason's arms and legs. He stayed close to Rick, wanting somebody familiar to be close during this time of confusion. He wasn't wearing his magazine protection and needed to be extra careful. They waited for the warden patiently. Scott Yamry was the second warden since Jason arrived. This was only the second time that he was going to see the warden. The first time had been eight years ago shortly after Scott had been appointed. He went around from prisoner to prisoner, escorted with three heavily armed guards, and introduced himself. He paid extra special attention to Jason, wanting to know just how Jason had killed his parents. Jason refused to speak to the man, 
knowing that the guy was using his misfortune for pleasure. That was the closest Jason's temper had come to out of control in the entire time he was in prison. One more stupid remark, and the warden would have left with a broken jaw. Jason, on the other hand, would have left in a body bag and several new holes in his body. Things settled down, and they went their separate ways. He hadn't seen Scott again until now. May I have your attention, please? Jason heard. The voice was coming through a bullhorn. It was Scott. May I have your attention, please? What the fuck? Somebody asked from within the crowd. Scott paid him no attention. His focus was on the crowd and whatever he had to say. Jason watched, knowing that this had something to do with the missing guard. Maybe there would be an update. Maybe there wouldn't. Scott started speaking. Before we get started, I'm sure that you all see the armed guards at every exit. Warren Yamri said. Don't try anything foolish, because these men have been instructed to shoot first and ask questions later if any of you decide to do something stupid. Don't be pressing your luck. Jason scanned the exits. Sure enough, guards were planted everywhere. Men with high-powered weapons stood in front of every exit from the prison. They looked as serious as the guards that stand in front of Buckingham Palace. As many of you are probably aware, Warden Yamri continued, Correctional Officer Clarence Hongisto went missing sometime this morning before first shift arrived for duty. The crowd erupted into conversation. Scott held up his hand, wanting them to be quiet. His body was discovered in an old laundry facility that's no longer used. Some members of the prison population broke into celebration after hearing that one of the guards was dead. Others stayed quiet, not wanting to press their luck as CEOs readied their weapons. Within the next 24 to 48 hours, each and every one of you will be questioned in regards to what happened. If any of you have any information as to what may be responsible for this horrific crime, I suggest you come forward immediately. Anybody with information that helps us in finding the bastard that did this will get a personal recommendation from me when your next parole hearing rolls around. Jason watched Scott speak, feeling slightly bad for the man. He was in a very bad position. A member of his crew was dead, and he had no answers. He was the head of a prison that wasn't supposed to exist. If Clarence had a wife, she wasn't likely going to keep her mouth shut after finding out that her husband was murdered. She'd want answers, and would likely want them to pay. Scott would likely pay with his job. Or worse. Asking the prison population for help was about as low as he could sink. But Jason saw that he'd been left with no other choice. He was grasping at straws, trying to get somebody to come forward and likely take the heat off him. He needed somebody to throw to the wolves and was willing to do what it took. When nobody responded to Warden Yamri's offer, he spoke once more. If that's how you all want to be, he said, Fine. Next, I'm looking for five prisoners to go with two of my armed guards. We will be retrieving Clarence's body tonight and taking him out to the prison gate. No paramedics or coroners are allowed on these grounds. We will be transporting the body to Green Bay where an autopsy will be performed. Those who volunteer will receive the same recommendation that I promised earlier. That is why I will not allow lifers without parole to volunteer for this position. Everybody else that's willing will be considered. 
Jason was stunned when Rick walked forward, leaving his side. He moved to the front of the crowd, his right hand high in the air. I see we have a volunteer, Warden Yamri said. Jason caught up to Rick. What the hell are you doing? Jason asked. I have a parole hearing next year, he said. I'm increasing my chances of getting the fuck out of here. You know that nobody gets parole out of here, Jason told him. As far as he knew, nobody had ever left Lipsky Swamp if they weren't in a body bag. He's just playing you so you can do his dirty work and keep this place a secret. I have to do something, Rick said, slowing momentarily to look at Jason. I have a daughter that turns 18 in a few months, and I've never even met her. I have to do this. Jason let him walk away. He'd never seen Rick act like that before. He'd known him for nearly 16 years. He'd known that Rick had a daughter, but that Rick had known her before social services took her away from his wife. Was this another daughter? The conversation had never come up in all those years. That proved just how well you think you know somebody, only to realize you don't know them at all. A hand pressed against Jason's back as two more volunteers made their way to the front of the crowd. Jason's heart skipped a beat as he thought that somebody was about to put a knife into his back. Jason turned, feeling relief when he saw that it was Matt Zern. Isn't that your cellmate? Matt asked, looking in Rick's direction. Yeah, Jason said, feeling dread that he couldn't stop him. He can't go in there, Matt said. For the first time in the short amount of time that Jason had known him, he thought he could hear panic in his voice. It's a trap. Anybody that goes in there is as good as dead. He looked to the sky. The sun was nearing the horizon. There's less than a half an hour before it gets completely dark out. Clarence will be waking up soon. Jason's heart was racing. He left Matt, working his way through the crowd in an effort to try talking Rick out of going. As he approached the front of the crowd, he found the passage blocked. The crowd was so packed together that he couldn't get through. He watched helplessly as Rick joined four other inmates and two armed guards. They moved back towards the prison, walking as a unit. Rick! Jason yelled, but was drowned out by the noise of the crowd. He jumped into the air and waved his arms, but Rick was done looking his way. He was determined to follow through with this, even if it could mean his life. Jason turned to Matt. What do I do? I don't know, Matt said in a voice that seemed almost sympathetic. I guess we just hope for the best. Hope for the best? Jason asked, moving close enough to Matt so that they wouldn't be overheard by anybody in the crowd. You told me this morning that the only way they can die is with a stake through the heart. I don't exactly see a lot of wood around here. How do you expect him to survive, let alone us? I thought that you didn't want to believe me, Matt said. I don't want to, but I don't like the way this is all playing out, Jason admitted. The truth was that he hoped that Matt was wrong. Rick would return in an hour or so, and everything would return to normal. There was something about tonight, however, that made Jason feel extremely uneasy. It could have been the remaining effects of the concussion, but he didn't think so. His head felt much clearer than it had a few hours ago. Still, something didn't feel right here, and as he watched Rick disappear into the prison, he really believed that it was the last time he was going to see him alive. He was scared. Not just for himself. He was scared for Rick. Rick had been his only friend for the almost 16 years he'd been in prison. He'd replaced the guy that was supposed to have been his best friend. 
Dave Grimes betrayed him, testifying against him in court. He lost a good friend that day and found himself not wanting to lose another one now. Jason turned to Matt again. Is there any way we can sneak in there and help? No, Matt said almost immediately. Look around, son. There are men with guns at every exit. Even if we were able to get past them, we'd still have to deal with the obvious. We don't have any weapons for dealing with vampires here. I admit that I've put us all in a precarious position. How in the hell do you expect us to fight them, then? Jason asked, nearly growling. I never said anything about fighting them, now did I? Matt asked. Jason thought about it and shook his head. What I said was that we have to start planning our escape. That wasn't supposed to be happening tonight. We need more time to plan this out, but things are moving much more quickly than I could ever have imagined. They'll be making their move on the prison in the next few days. Hell, maybe the next few hours. We'll have to act quickly. Jason looked around. He saw the many lookout towers and their beams of light. He remembered how he saw his father and the man who'd killed him in those very same beams. Was this how they were able to get into the prison? Were they getting through the fence, over or under? He had a sudden thought, but if he were right, it would be very bad for everyone. He didn't know how the vampires worked, but knew that somebody else would. He told Matt everything he'd seen in the last couple days. He wanted to know if they were all sitting ducks where they were. Should we have cause for worry here? Jason asked. Matt looked at the fences. He seemed to be studying them, trying to determine for himself the answer to the question. I think we're fine here, Matt said. I don't think that there are enough of them quite yet. Even though I've never seen one die with bullets, there are enough armed men here to ruin their night one way or another. No, they'll wait until they have a strong enough force inside before they make their move. Unfortunately, it's my guess that they're about to convert seven more tonight. I want you all to spread out into separate sections. Warden Yamri called to the group of prisoners. First floor on the west side. Third floor on the east side. The second floor can stay put. Men will come around and perform quick searches. They may also ask you a few questions. I recommend you doing whatever it is that they ask. What's happening tonight is very serious, and I, nor they, will hesitate to do something very serious to you if you try getting funny. The whole will be the least of your worries. The threat was as malicious as anything Jason had ever heard. His skin broke out in goosebumps as he thought about the possibilities of what Warden Yamri could do to them. He knew, however, that the only punishment he was considering was a bullet between the eyes. Jason waited patiently as Matt moved to the west side of the yard. He waited for it to all be over. For the first time in his entire life, Jason said a prayer in his mind. He wanted Rick to stay alive, just as much as he still wanted his parents to be alive. His parents may still be walking the earth, but he didn't want Rick to join them. He'd be seeing Rick again soon enough. So there you have it. That was chapter 32, or episode 17 of Incarceration. So big things going on. We got all kinds of... We got a missing CO, and we have people getting ready to go in and uh, retrieve a body. And it doesn't look like it's going to end too well, does it? 
We'll have to wait till next week to find out how that ends up. So it's time to quickly do the shameless self-promotion. And I'm going to go through it as quickly as possible. Website, goingpostalpublishing.com. You can find out all the information about future stories, the book you're reading, and just some other gobbledygook as you're uh, looking around. Email me at goingpostalpublishing at gmail.com. Ask me anything, questions, comments, cheap shots. Tell me you love me, tell me you hate me. Facebook.com slash goingpostalpublishing. Twitter.com slash goingpostalpub. Amazon. While you're checking out goingpostalpublishing.com, you can click on the Amazon banner and then go shopping on Amazon and buy whatever it was that you were going to be buying to begin with. Whether it be one of these new Wii U's, it can be a toy for your son, you know, a Transformer, or maybe you want to get a Barbie doll or one of those Monster Highs that my daughters love so much. It costs you nothing extra, and because you click through that banner, Amazon will send me a couple pennies for every dollar that you spend. Costs you nothing extra, and you help the podcast out just by shopping through Amazon and clicking through the banner at goingbolsalpublishing.com. So that's it for this week. I'll be back next week to harass you some more with another episode of Incarceration. Take care now. Bye-bye then. You've been listening to the Going Postal Cast. For updates about Christopher Chapman, his stories, and future podcast happenings, be sure to go to goingpostalpublishing.com. If you want to follow along on Twitter, twitter.com slash goingpostalpub or like him at facebook.com slash goingpostalpublishing. This podcast is copyright 2012, Going Postal Publishing.